Shomrabyog. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Collecting Issues, where this week we'll be taking a look at Lock and Key Volume 1, Welcome to Lovecraft, Collecting Issues 1 to 6 of the 2008 IDW series by Joe Hill and Gabrielle Rodriguez. Very good, you've nailed it. Yes, I've nailed it. Now, Benjamin. Yes. I think it is worth saying here at the beginning of Collecting Issues, the bi-weekly comic book book club right at the start, that we are going to be looking at volume one of this as if it was its own thing which has no connection to the fact that we have both read all of the rest of it yes we're not allowed to do that Michael yes, I have so been told off by Big Daddy Michael before yes. that I'm not allowed to connect things to a larger universe no that's not what I'm saying also Ben I think it's fair to say I'm going to state this a little statement of intent at the beginning of this podcast this is one of my favourite comic book series yes maybe a bit skewed <laughs> a little bit skewed but I'm also going to try and just well I've actually reread it twice this week just to try and get Twice. a sense yeah well just try and get a sense of what would this be like forget everything else just look at this six issue collection you know what i'm saying yes you want to look at it, you want to isolate it in your mind exactly look at it with fresh eyes forget about the links now ben we all know that's that's physically impossible yes because you can't wipe your memory like some kind of computer bank no no. Even when you wipe a computer's memory, it's not really wiped, is it? But that's a whole other podcast. No, 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 yeah. So, Ben, tell us even what even is Lock and Key. Lock and Key is, I suppose, above all else, a family drama, Michael. Mm. There are lots of elements at play here in this, but the, the central plot revolves around three children. Oh, and remember, the spoilers. There are, the people who are watching this or re- listening to this have read it. You've already read this, haven't you, you cheeky it, little you, minxes? You, uh, you so, you, if you haven't... Pause here. Pause here and go and read it. Take a deep breath. It'll take you about an hour, hour and a half to get through the thing and really, you know, give it a read and then come back to us. <gasps> Welcome back if you left us. Um, the centers on the plot around three children. We have Rendell, Tyler. No, sorry, we don't have. Rendell's we have the dad. We have Tyler Kinsey and Bodie, no. who are the three kids um, who are at the beginning of this recovering from a great and terrible shock. Um, into their lives a huge disruption in their lives their father Rendell mm-hmm. um, has been murdered by one of his former patients their I'm father was a counsellor just, just jump in over you there Ben for a very quick second not has been we do see that they're not recovering from it that's how oh, it sorry, opens sorry yeah sorry we, 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 that we, is the first issue we open on a, a little bubble that says before mm-hmm. and we get a little bit of backstory here um, and the first issue is told between two timelines we have before and now mm-hmm. um, and the before is done in sections so we get a little bit of before a little bit of now a little bit of before a little bit of now and slowly it Unravels. There's a bloody gruesome murder taking place. There's Michael. a very gruesome. Um, yeah, there's there's some pretty dark stuff happening in that first issue, Michael. It's a very very dark it's, introduction mm, to this world, Ben. Um, yeah, so Joe Hill really not pulling any punches in issue number one. Um, there's a little bit of fridging, but uh, who gets fridged? No, nobody gets fridged. But she, our our main female, the mother Nina, uh, mm-hmm. gets raped. There is an implied um, rape. There's yes. an implied rape. Um, there is a pretty gruesome murder. Gabriel Rodriguez does not hold back on the uh, blood and viscera. This is very, end of things. very it's, it's bloody. strong. Um, he doesn't hold back on the axes, let's just say. I mean, the, the opening panels there in, in issue number one are, are two gentlemen at a door holding a gun and a crowbar behind their back or a hatchet. A hatchet behind their backs. Um, so we know something is very sour and wrong from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we get the shot of that pickup truck there with two dead bodies in the back. Mm-hmm. Um and slowly it's revealed to us that unfortunately uh, Rendell was murdered mm-hmm. um, by his former students. By former students. Um, it's interesting. We meet the the two main antagonists of issue one. One is um, quickly disposed of 
in yes. issue one. Very gruesome. Gets a hatchet to the head by his rape victim. Yeah. Um, Nina. And then our other victim, whose name I cannot remember. You're going to have to help me out there. Sam. Sam, the other guy, uh, becomes kind of a bowling for Columbine Paragon for the rest of the... <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing, Ben. I think, actually, when you said, you introduced us there at the beginning, and you said it revolves around three kids, it actually really revolves around four kids. Yes, Sam being one Because if you go back and you have a quick look, you actually see that issue one is Bodie's, no, is uh, Tyler's story. Mm -hmm. Tyler's the oldest son, and he's most like his dad. He even looks like his dad. Yeah. Um, And then issue two is about Bodie, the youngest, and the one who's kind of least affected by the death, really. Yes. And then issue three is about Kinsey, the middle daughter. Yes. And adapting to her new situation. Who's struggling to adapt. Issue four is just fully about Sam. Yep, Sam and his little uh, great escape. But even we see his backstory too. So Sam in this is as developed a character as any of the others. He is, so I'll give you that, Michael. Thank you. You've scuppered me royally. Well played. Um, So yeah, I I think that's a little bit of a a plain thing. It's not just a family drama, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The family drama is set to the backdrop of one other character, which is uh, Lovecraft, the, the house that the family is forced to live in after the death of their well not forced to but feel that they must live in after the death of their father and mm. um, so they retreat to lovecraft um excellent uh, podcasting there <clears throat> <laughs> now i'm just going to interrupt you again ben because i'm a bit concerned that you've 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 become a bit mixed up lovecraft oh, no. is the town sorry oh, damn it the house they have is to retreat to the house, town ben. of lovecraft and they have to live in key house which is the, the i suppose probably the fifth big character that we could say this is about mm. because within this house michael the rules of reality are all warped and shifted around and higgledy piggledy uh, due to one particular thing funnily michael. enough though ben is that really important no in this series no it's not massively no this and again this harkens back to what we said earlier about treating this as an individual collection this is and Joe Hill won't like this, Ben. But it's quite Stephen King-esque. Oh, that's going to that's gonna rub old Joe the wrong way. And the last thing I want to do is rub Joe Hill the wrong way. You don't like rubbing anyone the wrong way, Michael. No. You're, a, you're a consensually rubbed individual. Yes, that's Joe. what you're into. Um, so, but it is quite Stephen King-y. Perhaps you could explain why he won't like you saying that, Michael. Well... It's his dad, listeners. isn't it? It's his yes, dad. It's his dad. Stephen King's his dad. Um, Joe Hill is a super, not a pseudonym. Uh, nom, nom de plume. He's uh, a nom de plume. Or is Joe Hill his real name? No, Joe Hill is a nom de plume. What's his real name? Uh, Stephen King Jr. I think, I think it's Joe King. Is it? Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> he's joking all the time. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, originally when he set up, he gave himself a nom de plume so that he wouldn't be associated with his father's work and he would be given kind of his own merit. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there are some bloody strong Stephen King this themes Stephen King. rocking through here. Now, again, we're not talking about later issues and no, later, no. later collections and if they do or don't nope. change or be similar. Nope. But this one, it's quite Stephen Kingy. It's pretty small town America. There's small town America with big secrets hidden under the dirt. There's big secrets, Ben. Um, also, yes. there is a there's a horror going on. Yes, this is a horror comic. It's a horror comic, but fully. The, but the horror is not the supernatural, no, which is people. often yeah. There are supernatural elements to this, but. That's not where the horror comes from. People are the worst. Yeah. So Sam, for example, Sam, I can't remember his, his family name, but Sam, Sam the serial killer. Sam the killer. He has touches of um, Jack from The Shinning. Yes. About him. Yeah. 
uh, he's gone mad through contact with the supernatural. I suppose we should probably explain that a little bit as well. Or would you like to continue with your thing and then? Well, no, 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 go on. Go on. Uh, the superna- the the major supernatural element to play in Volume One is Dodge, mm. um, Echo, Echo, Dodge, Echo, whatever way you want to refer to him or her mm-hmm. as uh, Dodge is, is a well we call her Echo. Echo let's call her Echo Echo she's Echo in um, the first four issues Echo issues. is is the spirit in the well the lady in the well mm-hmm. um, and Bodhi is the first one to discover her he's, mm-hmm. he's called to by um, Echo and we, we slowly realise that Sam has gone through a similar experience of being kind of chosen by Echo yeah. and then not necessarily tormented but certainly manipulated, certainly manipulated to an nth degree and mm-hmm. um, but Sam was already mentally unstable. I oh, know, and he prays, or he, she, mm-hmm. prays on that exact mental condition. Well, uh, I think we can say she. Uh, yeah, we can say she in, in At least volume initially. one. She lives in the well, and she's very sinister. She's very well drawn. There's something very unnerving about the way she is. It's her spidery fringe. Drawn. I, it could be. <laughs> she has it, a horrible it, spidery it fringe. It could be exactly that. But I would argue, Michael, that mm-hmm. this is one of the most unsettling villains that I have read in a comic book ever. Go on. Um, I just find her to be an exceptionally unsettling character. Really? There is never a point where I'm reading her where I trust her an inch. There's, yeah. I'm always worried about what she's going to do next. Um, and poor Sam is just tormented mm-hmm. um, by, by Echo. And Echo is the main antagonist for Volume 1. Really, Echo is the... She's the emperor to Sam's Darth Vader. Yeah. She's the driving force behind everything. She's but like Palpatine, I said, sexy she's, she's not the horror. The horror is Sam. The horror is a mad person showing up at your house with an axe. And just going to town. That's what's scary about this. Yes. It's you're a normal family and then horrible people show up and do something horrible. That's the real horror. And, and you have shows, no control over it whatsoever. And it shows in the repeated kind of trauma that the kids all face. How Bodhi essentially Bodhi it kind of bounces off Bodhi. Yeah, he's, he's a excited, child. He's, but uh, what's his name? Tyler keeps seeing the the violence he had to commit to 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 stop Sam. Pretty grim. And that he uh, he blames himself for he does. an off the cuff comment he made to Sam once. Yeah, and it's thrown him off. Where he says, uh, "If you ever kill your parents, do me a favor and kill my dad." Mm. And Kinsey keeps biting her lip. Yes, she keeps drawing blood out of her lip, which is what she did when she was when she was trying to save save Bodhi from from the killers. And her mother becomes an alcoholic due to trauma related to an implied rape and mm. uh, bloody losing her husband. Yeah. She's got a major injury now as well, doesn't she? She does. She's got a limp. She's got a limp. She's got a limp leg. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. It's it's a family in in uh, disrepair, mm-hmm. uh, very much so. And as you said, Michael, there are supernatural elements here, but they're really not central. What what those supernatural elements allow us to do is to explore those characters even more deeply mm-hmm. um, as we go along, and it gives us kind of a, a fly on the wall perspective to a lot of different things. I suppose, to a degree, go on. You could argue that the 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 key house mm-hmm. is more magical realism than anything else, in, in that there are small supernatural elements influencing events. But there's nothing, especially in volume one, there's nothing that's warping the world around them. They haven't exactly. crossed any kind of threshold. No. Unless you count Bodhi. Yeah. Well, Bodhi literally crosses the threshold and becomes a ghost. But it really throws back to me to the shinning again. Yeah. Where yeah. there's a, a little boy who has an awareness, not really through, he's too young to really know what's going on, but he can see the ghosts and he can kind of, he he's a bit more aware of the supernatural goings on. But... If you ask people, is the shinning a supernatural horror? They'll probably say no, it's just a horror. It's just, yeah. 
it's just it, a horror. The supernatural elements of the shinning might just be someone going mad. It could be. We, we haven't figured that out yet. This particular collected issue, collected edition of six issues, would work just as well, Benjamin, if Echo was a figment of Sam's imagination. Yeah, there's no need for there to be a real supernatural threat here. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. It's just a horrible person with an X. It's absolutely true. I mean, I think the last couple of issues, the last two especially, just show us how much human influence can can be had here. In fact, Michael, you Mm -hmm. could argue that the only time... Well, so to go straight to the end... All right. To, to spoil it. Just we're to, a bit all over the place today, but um, Well, we were all over the place anyway, Michael. Yeah, yeah look, it's fine. We weren't going to win on this one because um, it's a complex story with complex themes and it's mm-hmm. going to take some complex dissection. Go on then. Sam's arc, as you said, is... is it's, it's never sympathetic, but it is given a reason Yeah. Um, in a lot of it. And it's clear from the get-go that Sam has some serious uh, mental health issues and uh, self-worth issues running underneath... Uh, ticking along and Echo takes full advantage of that mm-hmm. until um, until the children are so scared that they resort to helping Echo. Uh, Bodhi thinks that... Bodhi knows from his initial meeting with Echo that it's like, oh, Don't like you're you. not something to be messed around Look with. Look at your spidery hair. Yeah, there's, there's something off about Look you. Look at your terrible hair. He visits Echo as a ghost mm-hmm. in the initial issues. And then out of sheer desperation, he goes to, to free her. Um, later in the thing um, and it's because of the events that Echo has set in motion in that horrific prison scene um, that they are forced to resort to Echo as a, as an aide um, and Echo takes full advantage um, she manifests into the form of of a new character and she bloody murders Sam by the end of the by the end of the the trade paperback yeah um, but it's funny she can only do that when she's human mm-hmm so she can only enact her revenge when she's become a kind of... It's actually a very complicated lore of this series reason that she needs that help. Yeah. And reading just this, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it, it's we, we don't understand fully who no. Echo is. She's trapped in a well, but she needs a special key to be able to get out of the well. But then when she gets out of the well, she needs a different key to become a boy for some reason. For some reason. And then she's back in the real world. It's weird. Yeah. It's not well explained. But there is something to be said for they kind of state that. The character states that and says, you think you're coming in at the beginning. You don't know what's going on. You think you're coming in at the beginning of the story, but it's really the end. Interesting. Which is uh, important because it it helps you build a slight sense of trust. I think that's the writer speak to us and saying, look... Just bear with me. Bear with me a second. Mm. I know this doesn't make a whole heap of sense. But you're going to like it. But it will make a whole heap of sense. Um, yeah, I think in terms of, as we said, Joe, Joe Hill is, is mildly influenced by his father. But mm. I think he takes a lot of the, the traditional tropes and kind of fleshes them out a bit more. I think there's a, there's a, a sounder logic at play in, in some of this work than there would be in a, a Stephen King <laughs> gig. <laughs> um, I'm not saying he's better. I'm just saying in terms of dealing with real people real emotions he certainly has a better grasp of genuine human interaction than Stephen King well let's not compare him to Stephen King because um, that's doing him a disservice it is doing him a disservice uh, it's interesting this was his first kind of foray into comics mm-hmm. um, and him and Gabriel uh, Rodriguez Gabriel Rodriguez um, 
whose art did not appeal to me on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it grows on you as you go along. What I found out about Gabriel Rodriguez as I was reading this one, Michael, former architect. Get out of former here. architect that makes so uh, much sense fully trained architect and it does make so much sense when you look at the buildings and rooms that he draws yeah look They're at the ideal. buildings look at those isometric projections and because the house plays such a central kind of character mm-hmm. it's probably essential to have someone who bloody knows how to draw them that makes look at a the lot doors. of sense look at the, the magnificent doors. doors the keys the keys the woodwork so on the consistent. panel that is a very good thing that I just learned Ben that um, is incredible so he's, a, he's an architect and was still working as an architect at the time of helping Joe Hill to bring this to life I don't think he helped Joe Hill to bring it to yeah, life well, so much as he brought it to life with Joe Hill. With Joe Hill. Okay, fair enough. I agree with you, Ben. I wasn't ever... Initially, when when I picked this up, it wasn't my favourite art. I thought it looked a bit webcomic-y. It is very webcomic And I think webcomic-y to me means slightly amateurish. I thought slightly it cartoonish. A, bit, a little bit amateurish. I think it's, it's not the type of colouring and shading that we would be somewhat used to. It's in drab a, and grim. In a more mainstream comic. Mm. There's very little shading in this. Uh, very little. Doesn't doesn't. It's it's an airbrushing technique. Um, is, is what's used. It's it's called the airbrush shading method. There's no cell shading, mm-hmm. um, or heavy render or anything like that. It's very apparent in faces. Yeah, which I mean, you can it's, see on it's occasion. Clearly digitally coloured. But what I would say, well, this was the early days of digital coloring, Michael. This was mm-hmm. 2008. This was this was when digital coloring was at the forefront, and everyone's like, let's digital color everything. Now I like the palais. The palais is fine. It's it's deathly. Um, I one of one of the things that really sticks out to me um, is how distinct he manages to make his characters because that's quite often a complaint that I have. Michael, yes, is that very often mm-hmm. when we do this kind of thing, a lot of our characters end up looking samey. I don't think that Gabriel Rodriguez could be accused Not of that at all. Ben. He he does draw a lady in a particular manner. Nina and uh, Echo are very similar, I think, all to right. a degree. Yeah, um, but. Each character is distinct and none of his children characters mm-hmm. are creepy children. They are distinctly childlike. Yeah. Um, his choice of colours is quite interesting. I mm-hmm. mean, there's, as we said before, Bodhi crosses thresholds quite a bit as the, as the ghost boy mm-hmm. in this, but he leaves a dead body behind and it's interesting to see how he colours the corpse immediately corpse-like and yeah. then living. So he does a good job of some elements um, and is the characters are all well? I don't know. I haven't checked. Colours by J Photos. Mm. Probably a fake name. It's definitely it's definitely a um, company. But look at look at the Ben at the back of this collection. We have the character heads, and Tyler really looks like his dad. I like that. Yeah, no, that he's it's commented on in the thing several times that he mm. looks exactly like his dad. But what I really like Ben, and this is what I really like, is that Kinsey looks like she could be the daughter of Nina and Randall. Mm. I mean, there's some good look work that. happening. Look at there. that. There's some good work there's happening some, there. She, she's got bloody Rendell's eyes. I mean... But Nina's kind of general head structure. Look we, at that. That's great. We were a little bit critical. What I would love to see, and it will never happen because we don't do that with comics, I'd love to see it recolored properly. I think it may... I, I think that isn't outside the bounds of possibility. I, I would like to see a proper revisiting of Gabriel Rodriguez's pencils and inks mm. um, with a colorist who knows what they're about. I think, I'm think i not saying that the colorist here doesn't know what they're about. I just think you're right that it's kind of early digital coloring. Early digital coloring and it's it's not sloppy but it's not refined. Hmm. Not refined to the place that it could be. Um, that being said, Michael, I do love the character designs. They're sinister and twisty and they fit the landscape of Lovecraft as a town. 
Yeah, that's the other thing. The town of Lovecraft itself, although we don't there's see a, much of it. There's a lovely little sketch there at the back done by Gabriel Rodriguez where he shows you the town. I'm just picking up some of the later issues here, Ben. Don't do that, Michael. That's not do, where we're at. The colouring does improve, actually. Um, but as I've said, Michael, as I've said. Yes, go on. The grimness of this comic is really brought home in the last two issues where it's... What I enjoyed most about this, well, maybe not enjoyed, but what I respected a lot about this is the struggle of violence is represented very well here. Ow, I was putting it back because you're useless. <laughs> um, the struggle of violence is represented very well here, Michael. It's very violent. Um, but the, there's there's no effortless violence here. Mm-hmm. There's no effortless violence here. Every piece of violence carries a consequence. There's no cool guy violence. There's no cool guy violence. Every act of violence looks like it takes something out of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like that representation of violence, Michael. I, I, I love a good struggle violence in my comics. Um, what I find very interesting is that we don't reset the character of Tyler after his action to save his siblings. No, he's very upset. He's very upset. He's going through some serious trauma as we go along. Um, there's always a lot of struggling on the ground in those final issues. You know, Sam's trying to squirm away to get a, a brick or a mm-hmm. hatchet or a, a knife or a, a something. Gun, anything. Something just to really take care of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything takes blood, sweat and tears to manage. Mm-hmm. Um I also enjoy the fact that the characters are never prepared for the violence that comes into their lives. Because they're not superheroes, um, Ben. They're not superheroes. They're teenagers. They don't They don't get grim and gritty reboots after their first... Like, Nina is no better equipped for the violence of the second time that Sam enters her life than she was in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they are random, jarring acts of violence um, that cause a lot of damage. Mm. Um, in fact, we get very little introduction to the keys of the key house. That's what I'm miss. saying. The, the This... This I don't know what way this is going to go in future episodes issues Ben I do you do because you read the whole bloody thing but that's what I mean that's why I really like this it's yeah the supernatural stuff and the keys and stuff are there but they're not the driving force of nope. the thing the driving force of the thing is look at this bad man let's get rid of him he's here they're designed in in six uh, key issues or key trade paperbacks and each one is an arc mm-hmm. so you could yeah. You could take a break at the end of each one. There's a little cliffhanger at the end of each yeah. one. But each each six six issue collection, except for the last one, which has seven. Which we're not talking about. Bring it up to 30. Yeah, we're not bringing it up. They're very... They have a sense of closure to each one. There's an ebb and a flow to each arc. Yeah. They're, they're, they're satisfying reads. This is a satisfying self-contained story. If I never have to hear more about the keys and the mystery of the house, and I don't really mind. It would remain a this, sweet taste in your mouth, Michael. Yeah, because this is still good. Because it's a story about how that murdery guy comes and tries to murder them and he fails and then they're worried he's going to come back and he does come back and they're still not prepared because they're dealing with all their trauma and then they pull together as a family and they just about scrape through. Such realism. It's Such realism. It's very good. I really like it. Yes, it is. It is one of your favourite comics, Michael, mm. as we've covered before. What do you think influenced this little bad boy, Michael? Well, obviously, Ben, the title has to give a little hint. <laughs> yes, it probably does. Funnily enough, though, I don't think that this is a madly Lovecraftian story. No. Although it is about it is about some sort of ancient evil driving a person mad and driving them to murder. Yes, but not necessarily in the traditional Lovecraftian sense of Well, there's women in it. Bloody well that's That's, that's one thing that's different. There are many people of colour, I don't know, I didn't There's a detective. Yeah. Oh yeah. A detective of colour. But also Lovecraft really I don't think and I haven't read all of Lovecraft Pen. You wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't want I wouldn't to. claim to have. You wouldn't want to. Uh, but he, he didn't tend to focus on families. 
No, because he had no understanding of them as a thing. <laughs> Everyone was a lone intellectual striving mm. out on their own. Going mad. Yeah, a proud intellectual slowly mm. going mad. So, I mean, a proud there, explorer. There is a Lovecraftian thing, and I don't know, maybe it will become more prevalent, the Lovecraftian themes of this in later collected Perhaps. Mm. 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 Um, yeah, perhaps. But in this one, the Gothic is there. It is... It's quite a Gothic house. Quintessentially American Gothic. Um, it's that there are so many themes of the American Gothic here that it's it's hard to bloody land uh, built on the bones of other people mm-hmm. sins of the father mm-hmm. mistakes of the son mm. so much going on here Michael I, I think small town American novels have played a huge part in this um, I think we're dealing with a family who can't do their effervescent west coast lifestyle anymore uh, Duncan is a fascinating character growing up as a gay failed painter in a small town rural community mm-hmm. um, no but I mean that's a, a quintessential kind of American narrative Do you? when I was reading this I felt that Duncan was gay as a point of convenience so he didn't have a, an overlap with Nina yeah yeah absolutely I got that feeling now absolutely. it does it does work itself out a bit better than that later on I imagine but we don't talk about that Michael. we don't talk about that but in this it was like the only reason he's gay is to say, don't worry, I'm not going to fall in love with my brother, my dead brother's wife. That'd be bloody weird. Yeah, that would be odd, wouldn't bloody it? Bloody weird. I think, you know, in terms of this, no one is happy No. in this comic. I, I think there's a grim reality to that to a degree. You know, there's a grim reality to the fact that no one's really doing their best no. <laughs> here. Uh, Duncan's not doing great But they're coping They're coping It's a comic about coping It's a coping comic Look at Kinsey coping She got a haircut She put on her running clothes She's big on transformation Yeah And then uh, she went off The Fab Five would love her mm-hmm. mm. The Beatles No wait Where do they go The The Queer Eye for a Straight Guy Thing I, I've never seen it <laughs> Queer Eye The Queer Eye crew would love her Okay very good yeah, I can't remember Benjamin Here's another thing yes. about this. Yes. You know how they have a key that turns you from a boy to a girl? Yes. That really assumes there's only two genders, doesn't it? Mm. Well, <laughs> we're not going to touch that here at the podcast, Michael. <laughs> That's for better men than us to decide. Or happen? women what or would, other. What would happen if someone non-binary went through that door, Ben? What would happen get a sharp them? bloody awakening, Michael, is what they get. Would they? Who, who, who knows what they would have? <laughs> who knows what they get? Maybe they just turn into a puff of smoke. Maybe. Just poof <laughs> and they're gone. Poof and they're gone. Yeah. Uh, to a happy place where gender never existed. Mm. Um, look, I, I mean, there are some pretty interesting themes at play here, Michael. I, I think, Dealing with trauma. <laughs> I think the gender androgyny of Echo is... Let's talk about that for is a ...is a huge part of this comic. Mm. Um, because Echo And 2008 was pre major identity politics discussion mm-hmm. like this 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 was not a common theme in, in works here she's a bloody sexy lady isn't she Michael she's meant but, to be sultry or seductive or but then she comes out and she turns into a man and she's pretty much the same <laughs> she's almost exactly the same yeah. so maybe gender is just a construct of Joe mm, Hill I, I don't know I don't know I'm not, I, I, who don't am I know. to put words in Joe Hill's mouth he does put on a hoodie when he's I a man I, I know she's a woman in the beginning to take advantage of that classic trope of the woman in the water right I mean we've, we've had that throughout um Throughout any kind of folklore and mythology, the lady in the lake, the woman in the water, uh, the woman of the well is is a is a tried and tested trope. It's very Edgar Allan Poe, Quite the, the creature in the well. Um, it's very poesque, um, and I know it's there to take advantage of that in the beginning, but it, it changes into something entirely different as we go along. Mm. Um, look, reading the whole series is very enjoyable, Michael. If you enjoy this one, you'll probably enjoy the rest of them. Um, 
But yeah, if people like this, Michael. Yes. What else should they be sinking their, their teeth into? I don't really know, Ben. Well, I think you could pick up a Stephen King novel or two. You could do. Uh, you could go and read some of Joe Hill's actual work. What are Joe Hill's actual um, works, Ben? Do you so if you're into if you're into the the small town secrets, the the sins of the past kind of gig, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to pick up Joe Hill's horns. Um mm. because that's what that is. Basically a young man is possessed uh, by a demonic force and basically anyone he meets has to spill their secrets to him. Um, and it's it's an interesting bloody novelization of a man's descent into into demonic punishment. It's it's interesting. Um, if you're into the random acts of violence, you could probably read his Nosferatu series about a hitchhiking vampire uh, who yeah. murders people. Um, oh, is that kind of similar to Sam's journey across the country? Well, you could look at it that way. I would murders. I would say this is probably a proto kind of event of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're into this kind of thing in general. Look at some of the Vertigo, the early Vertigo comics. Um, it's quite reminiscent of Sandman's bloody serial killer convention. Um, there's there's a touch of that about it. I know we've said that before on the podcast. But in many ways, Michael, this is its own thing. I find this quite unique. Yeah, in many ways, this is its own thing. I find so it hard to think of something similar to this because most of the comics are either just overt supernatural horror yeah, or there aren't there aren't, there aren't that many comics that are as high up as this in terms of family drama and I suppose Black Hammer might have some elements of it but again this is unique a lot more overtly superhero-y yeah. and a lot more you know it's uh, yeah. I'm looking around yeah. your comics here trying to find some I things. don't think there's a no. lot out there like this now Ben I might just be missing it um, because no I, I think there's, there's no way of distancing this from the influence of some very big horror folklore writers. Mm-hmm. Joe Hill is very clearly influenced not only by horror but by folklore and mythology. I think there's a lot of that going in there. Um, I mean, there are elements of Hellboy in the Gothic and Sandman in the mm-hmm. overarching Gothic. But early Sandman... But Joe Hill does something excellent with it. He is not at all controlled by his influences in this. I, I think it is fair to say, Michael, mm-hmm. I think you've hit it nail on the head... Uh, hatchet in the brain hatchet in the back of the neck um, that this is its own thing this is something beyond the sum of its influences I think Joe Hill has taken this and run along and I'm happy to report that it's consistent I, I can happily recommend you volume 2, 3, 4, be, 5 and 6 you don't be going around recommending other volumes um, well that's what this part of the podcast oh, yeah, okay, is all about yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, you see who knows what will happen for the listeners who knows what will happen apart from I, making I do myself yeah, I do <laughs> Um, but yeah ladies and gentlemen of course Ben there's also a TV series coming yes there's a TV series coming on Netflix so you need to get in there get a bit of a read so you know what all the references you, are if you ben, like those completions before we go on do you think that the TV series is going to commit to this level of grim violence or is it going to be more a jaunty thing about keys it's not going to commit to this level of violence Michael do you not think that's it would be very hard to commit I think I think the score of the trailer gave away a little more than it should have I think Ben it really depends on what they do with Sam I think it depends on what they do with Bodhi. I think Sam is the key character in this particular collected issue. Will, this is Sam's story, Ben. Will an American TV company touch Sam in the current climate? That's what I'm wondering. Mm. Will, I don't think they will. Will they commit to a mad school killer? Is he going to be MAGA influenced, Michael? 
make America great again. I do. Well, I mean, you know, you I have don't think all. So. Well, you had that spate of gun crimes there at the start of last year and the middle of last year that were all MAGA related because they were inspired by Trump's bloody rhetoric on the thing. Oh, we're getting very political now. No, right? I don't mean it like that. But in the current climate, can they touch this type of lone wolf character? Is it a possible thing to go well, near that? And will is, Netflix commit to the bit, Michael? Sam isn't political, though. He's just. Oh, he's not. He's a product of his upbringing, he's a product of his trauma. But this came out in 2008. It's 2020, mm. Michael. Yeah. We're all up here living in 2020. Yeah. The climate's changed, Michael. Yeah. So how are they going to represent it on this fire, time? For example, I think 2008 would have been a lot more represent- representative of Bowling for Columbine. Do you think so? Or I don't know. It, but he's not a school killer. He, I mean, mm, yeah, that's true. He's not. A, he's not a full blown school killer, but he is a school influence killer. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on. Look. What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? I, oh, I will tell you something that ripped this off full scale. Go on. Bloody American Horror Story on FX. Fucking oh, there's a good bit of... Yeah, when did season there's a good one bit of, of lifting from this very good comic when in did, season one. When did season one of American Horror Story come out? Much later than 2008, I'll tell you that much. Are you sure? 2011, I think. I'll, was I'll, it? I'll, I'll, I'll double check it out. Right yeah, there was actually. And actually, you know, the guy from that... Is he Quicksilver now? He is Quicksilver, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Is he's it a, he's a, Evan? He's a bit Sammy. Yeah, he'd be a good Sam, actually. He'd be a great Sam. Oh, Oh, Netflix. He, he would have been. I he's know like, you've already made it. He's, thir- he's 35 now. He lives in Netflix. Uh, 2011. Nailed yeah. it. And what, what's his name? Uh, Evan, Evan Rachel Wood? Evan Rachel Wood is not that gentleman, no. Uh, where's he gone? Where's Where he gone? What's the character's name, Evan? I think the character's name was Evan. Wait, Evan Peters. Evan Peters. He's played by Tate. Uh, no, Evan Peters is the actor. Yeah. He played Tate Langdon. Tate Langdon was pretty Sammy. Sammy, very in, Sammy. A uh, lot story. lifted in American Horror Story season You're one. You're right, actually. That's a good mm. shout. That was something it, I wanted to talk cre- a bit more a, about. It's a creepy house. It's a creepy house filled with secrets and filled sins. With secrets and sins. Um, yeah, so I, I think... Not as tightly plotted mm, as this, though. Mm, not as tightly... St- no, not as good. A not more as good. stretched out. Not as good, very stretched. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. What did you think? Oh, yeah, talking to me. Of volume number one of Lock and Key. Will you be reading the rest? Are you looking forward to the Netflix adaptation? Who is your favourite character? Does echo, confuse, arouse and terrify you all at once like it does me. Um, ladies and gentlemen, let us know down below in the comments. As always, if you have anything to recommend to us, you can get in touch with us at showmorebeog.com S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com Me and Simon Irish. We're on Instagram. You can give us a shout over there. We're probably most active on Instagram for interacting with people. Uh, again, showmorebeog, exact same way. Next two weeks, ladies and gentlemen, in two weeks' time, you will be taking a look at Black Sad with us, the Spanish-European comic. Uh, probably read it in English. We will be. I'll um, read it in Spanish. <laughs> you're going to be reading in Spanish. Hola! Uh, and we'll be taking a look at the grim noir world filled with animals um, that kind of predated Zootopia by a country mile. Donde esta la biblioteca, uh, Donde esta la biblioteca. Uh, that's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. Adios. Adios. Vaya con Dios. Is it stopped on there? Let's just stop.